text that said, no, the show must start now. I simply don't care about Pete's Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, you still have some nuts in your mouth. Or you're feeling good to chat now. Uh, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Thank you for uh, making sure I got all the nuts out of my mouth. You know, it was very unprofessional of me to start the show while eating cashews, and I, I appreciate everyone's patience. No, I mean, it's sometimes, you know, we, we try to bring our A games here. Sometimes you bring your, your B-plus game in which you're just chewing nuts, picking them out of your teeth as we go. But that's really the ASMR experience that people have grown to love on your channel. It is. It is. I mean, they love it when I pour the coffee. They love it when I chew the cashews. And maybe, you know, we last year we did the content show idea big board draft. I mean, maybe a full-blown ASMR show needs to be on the big board this offseason. We got it. Honestly, this might be one where uh, last year I just did that subjected Pete to a list of items this year. I feel like you might actually have some ideas and including ones that we've already talked about. So I, I think that uh, collaborative effort this year, and we actually have to figure out when we're going to do the big board draft too, because that's, that's a whole separate thing. I know. And it's also funny that uh, we, we call it, we're, I just naturally called it big board draft, but that's also the name of the underdog uh, draft. So we're going to have to get, we might, uh, they have squatters rights on that. We might need a, a different name for it. But make sure you are playing over on the big board draft over at Underdog. Use the promo code SPLASH if you want up to a $100 deposit match. I saw uh, Josh Norris popping up on my uh, Twitter ads today because they're going big on making sure people get into the Underdog ecosystem over there. But don't take that Josh Norris promo code. Use that promo code SPLASH right now over at Underdog and go play over there. We'll be doing a best ball breakfast on Thursday, doing a little draft on the 2022 big board before Pete goes and flies out to LA to go have some fun and create some content for Underdog. So everything Underdog over here and we are fully backing them, and they are fully backing us. So go play over there. Use that promo code SPLASH. Also, make sure you are going over to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. As I talked about last week, the $0.99 cents a week deal for a membership is going away on the 13th. So get in while you can. Get Super Bowl data as well as whatever else is coming this year for the regular season, for the USFL perhaps. We're going to have lots of interesting wrinkles. The NFL draft going on strong there as well, with some articles really popping up and bringing interesting perspective to guys like Kenny Pickett, uh, Malik Willis, our guy Matt, Mike Tanier has been talking about them. So lots of stuff for you over at Football Outsiders. So go footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. But Pete, the question everybody wants to know after Friday's show where I think we don't usually get the winning victory lap tweets from people, but I did see a good two or three, some posts in a, the Discord, the Deposit Kingdom Discord. Cody came on and actually gave us legitimate advice that for me, I popped two Pro Bowl lineups in, doubled my money, which I'm happy with for the, the barest of minimums of effort. How did you do with your outlay for Sunday's Pro Bowl matchup? Yeah, I did solid. I was the same of about two xing. I was it wasn't as great as I wanted it to be. I didn't have uh, I went full opto bro for it. And I think I kind of limited myself with some of my rules. I didn't have enough uh, defensive captains. Uh, and I actually think Mark Andrews ended up being the optimal captain. Mm -hmm. I want to say I had a decent amount of him. I was kind of spread a little too thin, but I think my takeaway was I was just a little too heavy on tight ends. Like I kind of wish I would have limited it to two tight ends in a lineup. I had like lots of three tight end type builds just because they were like the safest play. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm a little upset that I wasn't quite perfect to unlocking those, uh, those combinations. But if you look at the winning lineup, 
I mean, it's it's basically everything we talked about with with Cody as far as having the high scoring defense, having the tight end and the captain. I believe it had Kyler Murray to Mike Evans as kind mm-hmm. of the little NFC stack, and then Hunter Renfro in there as well, who was a top play for Cody over on ETR. So yeah, Cody absolutely smashed that. Yeah, Matthew in the chat saying it was the second best cash of the year. Cody's a true showdown king. I, you know, I DM with Cody after the show because I really wanted him to know I appreciated him coming on this show. And it's me. I've talked about it. What the best splash play episodes in my mind are ones where we do a mix of we give some people real information with an expert. We then do the silliness in the back half as we did basically roasting my first TV appearance I've gotten in a long time. Uh, so I think that show, if you want to check it out, I think that one's still evergreen because Cody gave some quality showdown advice as well. But check it out on Peach Channel or the Splash Play Channel. You can find all the archives on there. And, and shout out to everybody that rode with us because I know I would not have played two defenses if it weren't for Cody being on the show, especially given a 62 and a half point over under. And I don't know how much you played or how much you actually watched the game, Pete, but that was a hideous game where, boy, I will play the defenses every Pro Bowl from now on. Yeah, I will say I did not watch a single second of it, despite spending, you know, a couple hours making my lineups and stuff. I just I had zero interest in sweating it. It was one of those where I was happy to uh, pull up uh, my DraftKings and Yahoo apps and uh, see what the money was doing there as far as prizes. But yeah, I I legit didn't watch a second of it. It was it was honestly entertaining in a twisted way. We watched the first three quarters here, and by we, I mean I did uh, subject my pregnant girlfriend, my eight month pregnant oh, girlfriend. Oh God, I am uh, so but, sorry. Well, she knew that I built some good lineups too, so that usually helps if if there's a rooting interest and it's really clearly defined angles. I too went too heavy on tight end. I uh, thankfully did have Mark Andrews in the two defenses that helped. But I went Deontay Johnson at captain. I kind of had the thesis of the play right where you had to get some wide receivers in the mix. Uh, but I think a, a helpful lesson learned. And and again, if people out there, Nick in the chat also had a good finish sixth in the three max team. Um, every QB threw a pick Ivan points out that basically sums it up where these guys, Pete, they weren't even tackling. They were doing literal two hand touch where it's like, oh, the play is over because this guy got kind of wrapped up. Alvin Kamara at one point broke a two hand touch tackle. And they're like, no, no, the play is dead because he touched you back there. And then Alvin Kamara had his own issues. <laughs> we'll talk about in a second after. But it was really like if you didn't watch it, I think it was worth it just to experience how little they cared about that game. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I mean, it makes sense. No, no one's trying. We, I mean, the Sage was set when we watched Tyreek Hill compete in the, in the fastest man competition. These guys uh, are on vacation. Um, and I, it was interesting too. Cody had a tweet, I believe right after lock where he was like, holy cow, the field hasn't caught up. You know, he was kind of worried that everyone was going to figure out those edges and really push them. It seems like the tight end stuff is a little out of the bag. Um, but people still underplaying defenses. And I wonder, you know, now we have back-to-back years with these defenses being in the optimal lineups. Does that change? Or is there just so little interest and so little content around it? I mean, there was Cody stuff. Uh, I know uh, Spud Kelly over at Osmo wrote an article. I saw one article on FanDuel on Numberfire. That was like the only Pro Bowl content I really saw. So I wonder if this edge will just kind of remain because people don't look into it too much. Yeah, the defenses were both under 15% owned in the big tournament. I know Osmo did live streams as well because I just had that on briefly in the background. And um, even them, you know, like those guys were as sharp as can be, but I think we're still not necessarily pushing defense as much as Cody did on here. Um, So just something to keep in mind for these niche contests, especially, you know, we got the USFL coming up as we've talked about a lot on this show. Uh, we'll definitely will do our best to find the right people. If it's not Pete and I, we're certainly doing our own work and our own research, but we're going to bring in the best experts here that we can to help uh, try to make money off these things when we can. Um, Let's also talk about some of the fallout, I guess, which 
I'll classify Super Bowl week news, Pete, but this was technically Pro Bowl related. Both these items. Alvin Kamara arrested after allegedly beating somebody up in a nightclub after the Pro Bowl. And I feel like this is the one difference when you have the Pro Bowl in Vegas versus having it in Hawaii, where Hawaii, nice family vacation. Everybody goes, has some chill times at an island bar, sipping uh, some sort of tiki drinks. Here, if you're going to Vegas after, a dear guy like Alvin Kamara, who we don't do know occasionally likes to party, um, and especially, you know, he's a dirty South guy. Like I think we, we know that about Alvin Kamara a little bit from some of the headlines. But you just put these guys out there. You can be the nicest guy in the world. And if you're a rich football player at a club in Vegas after the Pro Bowl, something bad might happen. Yeah, although I was reading the uh, the police report about this, and this happened at 6 p.m. in the evening. Like, this wasn't like a 3 a.m. like kind of snafu where everyone was drunk. Uh, the, the guy who was the victim uh, states he was leaving the club for the night and made his way to the elevators. Uh, there was a group of people waiting as he started a conversation with one of them. As soon as the elevator opened, Green and the large party he was speaking with began walking towards the elevator doors. One male, who would later be identified as Alvin Kamara, put his hand on Green's chest, stopping him from walking into the elevator. Green pushed Kamara's hand off his chest, stated... And then Green said he was pushed hard, causing himself to stumble back. After he was pushed, he states he was being hit and kicked by multiple people and lost consciousness. So um, that's kind of the police report there. I know uh, he's having his first court hearing uh, later this afternoon, probably in a couple of hours. But yeah, not 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 a good look for uh, Kamara here at the Pro Bowl. No, and I, that's just kind of, I know, Pete, you've spent your time in Vegas. I've spent my time in Vegas as well. Some people in the industry will probably be down there. I think I think next week there's the FSGA conference there. So you'll see uh, maybe some headlines about your favorite fantasy analyst getting into a similar spat like Alvin Kamara. But I would say like for these guys, like that's just the Vegas vibe sometimes where you get like these alpha male kind of guys or the, you know, the kind of guys who are going to gravitate towards Vegas. You get Alvin Kamara and his crew there too, like. I just feel like Vegas, you know, if you're having a great time and you're with your buddies and you kind of can stay away from some of the headaches, like you're going to have fun in Vegas. But if you get into the mix with any of these other groups of guys who are just looking for trouble or looking for a good time, maybe a little bit too hard, like these kind of things happen in Vegas more than I would wager anywhere else in America. Yeah. And it's always hard, like reading that description that I just said, like where, how it got escalated, you know, there, there is that turning point from, you know, just kind of shoving like wait or get out of our way kind of thing to, oh my God, we're, you know, kicking this guy while he's literally on the ground. So I don't know how it got escalated, uh, to that point, but man, it's just the same old story of these guys have to show so much better judgment. The stakes are so high for them. So much money on the line, sponsorships, all of this stuff. I mean, you just, these guys really have to be smart. I, it's almost like they need just like to just have this moment of Zen, right? Pause like movie style, uh, freeze frame when you're about to hit someone be like, is this going to help my career or is this going to make my life a mess for the next few months? So, uh, yeah, unfortunate there for, uh, for Kamara, hopefully, uh, gets all straightened out. Yeah, hopefully it does. Maybe he needed the leadership of a Saints head coach. And if he knew that there was one hired right now, he'd be able to fully be accountable the way that he has to. But we'll talk more about that in a second. Pete, I just sent you a link to our, our good young friend, Jackson Mahomes, who is going bad viral once again. And now, uh -oh. honestly, like we have not had, uh, we, we've talked about Jackson Mahomes a little bit on this show, but we haven't made him like a meme character of Splash Play. I think we're at the point where we just need to do Jackson Mahomes updates because he is doing something stupid every time. And, and that includes this video I just sent to Pete of him uh, going bad viral for trying to kiss a girl in a Vegas nightclub or hotel lobby uh, during the Pro Bowl weekend. All right. Uh, even him, like, everything he's doing, like, the whole thing is just so cringe. Every part of it. Ah! <laughs> 
So anyway, he's making a lot of headlines, Pete. And this is the first time, I think, because I didn't send these just before the show. I just sent it to you, mentioned we might talk about it. Uh, what's your initial reaction there? Your game tape breakdown of Jackson Mahomes trying to make a little viral TikTok or something? Um, I guess my takeaway, I thought, like, what? tell me what the what's the reaction to it? It did seem like it was playful, and then he smartly aborted before forcing his lips onto her. I think it's more the Twitter reaction, at least the ones that I was seeing. A lot of people certainly ribbing on Jackson Mahomes, but then I think some people calling him problematic, certainly pointing to his, his other track record of things. And, uh, you know, I think there's, as a male, you know, I, I, with any sort of situation like this, you got to certainly err on the side of caution. But Jackson Mahomes, I think any sort of aggressive move like that, like that could be a personal friend or something that we don't know. But the look on video in 2022 is certainly not one you want to have recorded. Yeah, um, my guess is the reaction is over the top to what he actually did just because people don't like Jackson Mahomes and they're hunting for reasons to further cancel him. But uh, again, talking about self-awareness and thinking about the stakes, he should also know that people are coming for him and he should not put anything on tape that give them more ammo. So um, tis tisks all around. So is your Los Angeles character going to be Jackson Mahomes apologist Pete? <laughs> Um, yes, I am going to go around with signs that say free Jackson Mahomes. Um, what happened to freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of TikToks. Um, some of the, the top tweets, I'm just going to read them with no bias here. Uh, is there anyone who needs a corrective ass whooping more than Jackson Mahomes right now is one tweet. Uh, the real reason the chiefs lost another meme post of Jackson Mahomes dancing on the, on the Bengals field. Um, people, yeah, people actually, there's a lot of Jackson Mahomes videos, I guess that just come up of people hating on him for different things. So maybe it comes a point where we feel bad for him, but I just feel like you can't, you know, if you're going to put yourself in spots deliberately like that, like you kind of get what you ask for. It is a weird phenomenon. Who was the, um, he was a defensive player on the dolphins maybe four or five years ago. And his wife was just a crazy outspoken person. Do you remember her? Oh, uh, it wasn't, it's not Minka Fitzpatrick. No, it was no, I know you're thinking of though. Um, yeah. It's just a, it's a dynamic that pops up every uh, few years where <laughs> it's just one of these athletes, um, you know, relatives, siblings, lovers, uh, ends up stealing the spotlight from them. It is really funny just juxtaposed to Patrick Mahomes being pretty calm in reserve that he just has this kind of circus show. Uh, Miko Grimes. Him. Yes, Brent yeah. Grimes. That's who I was thinking about. And was it? And now I'm. I'm. This is awful TV because I'm like barely remembering any of this. But didn't she do something where she finally crossed the line? Where it was some tweet or something, or she did something so aggressive that even she ended up like getting canceled for it. I want to say, but uh, it does seem like Mahomes is uh, walking down that line. People saying, I mean, the, the article I'm seeing is uh, the headline of this one in New York Post. NFL wife terror, Miko Grimes, is just as crazy as you thought. And she <laughs> talks about how she deliberately got him cut from a team. And that was the goal of getting him cut uh, from the Dolphins so he could play somewhere else. But um, I presume, I don't I don't think Brett Grimes is in the league right now, is he? Uh, no, he's no. also 38, so he probably shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, yeah, she came under fire for posting a horrific anti-Semitic video to her Instagram story. She, that was the stuff with Deshaun Jackson um, going back and forth uh, about the Jewish stuff. So, yeah, she had one of those meltdowns. And, like, that's the thing with the Jackson Mahomes stuff, right? Like, it's all, like, it's one thing if you're just, like, a circus show, you know, Logan Paul doing outrageous things for content. It's another thing when it ventures over here. But we've seen a lot of these guys that don't have good judgment not know where the line is. And mm -hmm. it is, 
I mean, wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall? What what conversations do you think Patrick Mahomes has had with his brother about his behavior? Do you think he's just like completely non-confrontational, has never said anything? Occasionally he's like, hey man, maybe just chill out a bit. Like I'm worth a half a billion dollars to the Chiefs franchise. Maybe don't um, screw this up for me. I think he's got to have the conversation that Aaron Rodgers had with his family. <laughs> just be like, we're we're done here. <laughs> like, move on. I think he's kind of, I think he just is so in his own world. And also, like, he's a nice guy and probably tries to view the best of people. This might be me reading a little too much of the Patrick Mahomes persona. But, like, his his fiance too, also seemingly not the greatest person with some of the ways she's treated people around her. Um, The brother, the mother also have had, like... I, it just might be one of those things where like he's a nice guy in a situation or maybe he's just like secretly an awful human being and we just like oh he's he's always smiling he looks like kermit and he makes fun throws or he talks like kermit and he makes fun throws maybe there's something about patrick mahomes that'll be tiger woods-ish at some point in his run yeah uh i don't know i i'd like to believe that patrick mahomes is a is a good dude and he's just been um dealt a pretty poor hand with who he's surrounding himself with yeah, look, I, I think the Aaron Rodgers analogy is certainly a prompt, though. Again, probably a little more likable than Aaron Rodgers, too, so who knows? We won't take sides on that one. Um, any other Super Bowl news that you're seeing of interest, Pete? I know you wrote up some things for the Fantasy Life newsletter, and I saw uh, some anecdotes today about Joe Burrow and how, I guess, in the offseason, he was rehabbing alongside Andrew Whitworth, so there are some positive vibes between him and the Rams offensive tackle who's been there for forever. Uh, but that's really wasn't really anything that interesting from Media Day so far, so anything, any narratives you want to spin out here for the early part of Super Bowl week? No, it's been real quiet on that front. I mean, over the weekend, we've had kind of, I mean, the kind of practice stuff we we're monitoring are the two tight ends, Higby and Uzoma, and then Cam Akers uh, hadn't been practicing last week. So uh, I assume we'll get some more information on those guys uh, after today, but I haven't seen anything on that. And yeah, I haven't seen much in the way of, you know, actionable NFL Super Bowl stories yet. Yeah, I think it's it's also tough too. Like these are two teams like really on the national stage for the first time in a major way as you know, entire teams. Joe Burrow's certainly been there as a national champion, but like these are both likable teams too. Like Matthew Stafford turned 34 today. So there's one little narrative if you are a person that enjoys a good birthday game, birthday plus Super Bowl week, maybe that's uh, something to take heed of for for Matthew Stafford. But overall, just like likable teams playing a game, I feel like you're probably not gonna have anything too crazy come out barring somebody getting arrested in Los Angeles this week this weekend. If they are getting arrested, we'll be there and maybe Pete will be involved in the back half of the week. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm getting out Thursday night. Um, I don't know how many uh, Super Bowl events will still be going on uh, as far as Friday and Saturday, as far as like media stuff. But uh, yeah, I actually just did a call with uh, Underdog earlier today. So uh, it's going to be a good time. We'll see what uh, kind of mischief I can get up to out there. And then to preview the back half of the week here, like we talked about, we'll do an early morning show on Thursday, like uh, 9.30 or 10 timing, Pete. Which one is looking better for you? Yeah, I think we can just, oh yeah, Thursday, I think 9.30 uh, mm-hmm. Eastern. So it, it will be an early one. And then, yeah, Friday, our usual time. Um, I need to see, they're going to have a setup up there. I just have to see, I think their setup might only allow like local you know, recording where they could have four. So I'm just not sure what kind of hybrid stuff, but you and me will do a show uh, at the very least. I just have to figure out the, uh, the tech. And we're going to try to wrangle some of Pete's famous friends in LA, which is just going to be the other people in the underdog house. Right. But like, I feel like it's more fun if we build it as Pete and his famous friends in LA joining splash play on Friday. Yeah. Who knows who will show up?
<laughs> Jackson Mahomes will be there to, <laughs> to tune you up real good or to try to kiss you. I could go either way. Coaching carousel, though, the Dolphins hiring Mike McDaniel, the Niners offensive coordinator as their head coach. Uh, this is technically the first minority hire of the offseason because McDaniel comes from a, a biracial family. Uh, so I guess one good news item there. And there could be a few others uh, coming down the home stretch, apparently. But the Dolphins, Pete, hiring an offensive coordinator from the Niners. We know the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree has been much ballyhooed by the traditional media out there for a while. We certainly are Niners believers on a team level. And I think this coming for the Dolphins, I, it's hard to sort of feel good about the Dolphins with the Brian Flores stuff hanging over them. The fact that they got rid of him at all after he got more results for that team that you probably, well, certainly more than Steven Ross wanted, but probably anybody could have expected from him. But this spot overall, I feel like a really good hire for a young QB as well. A guy who has had some experience hiding a QB's flaws as well. Maybe could accentuate the best of Tua and downplay some of the worst and, and maybe even put in some of those Trey Lance packages that they were looking at this year. I think this is a really good hire for the Dolphins and you just kind of have to divorce it from the rest that we might feel about them as an organization right now. Yeah, I know. I was I was conflicted too because Mike McDaniel is a fun hire, and we can we can talk about that. But yeah, in the shadow uh, of the the whole Flores thing, where it was like, wait, yeah, I'm I'm excited about Mike McDaniel, but we shouldn't have even needed to be excited about this. He should have been ready to move forward with Brian Flores, who I thought had done a good job and was you know setting them up for for long term success. So yeah, but I mean, if we just want to talk about Mike McDaniel himself, pretty cool story. I don't know if anyone has watched kind of his press conference compilation. There's a few different videos floating around out there, like a very likable guy, pretty funny, um, likes having fun with the reporters. So at the very least, he's going to give us lots of entertaining press conferences. Everything I saw from players, there was, you know, Kyle Juszczyk talking about how much guys like playing for him, how kind of innovative and creative he is with his um, schemes. I think it's interesting that he's kind of known for his running the ball schemes and Miami, you know, had probably one of the worst run games in the league this past year, at least like bottom five. So interesting to see uh, what he can do with them and kind of a, you know, below average offensive line. I already saw some rumors about uh, people wanting a uh, Mostert to, uh, to end up in Miami, which could be interesting. I think they're also a candidate to, uh, to draft a running back. So um, yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I always like those progressive hires, um, not necessarily in the, I don't mean in the biracial sense, but in the uh, willingness to kind of grab young talent as opposed to doing, you know, the retreats and, and stuff like that. These guys who aren't going to bring anything fresh to the table. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited what he can do in Miami. And I think he, I think he's set up to succeed. Yeah, I agree here. I think there are enough assets there. You know, if we're starting with Tua, if we're talking about keeping a Devontae Parker, uh, maybe they could work out something with Will Fuller or William Fuller. Excuse me, not he's no longer Will Fuller the fourth. He's in fact William Fuller, a much more serious athlete for a much more serious team. But I think overall, whatever the tools are that McDaniel has in tow, like I think he's going to get the most out of it. And honestly, I, I agree with you. The Dolphins probably go with somebody else at running back, whether it be a free agent pickup or somebody in the draft rooms. But I, I think overall, like Miles Gaskin, I feel like a guy I probably wouldn't have drafted in like a 2022 big board and underdog. And I think he's probably worth a late round flyer, Pete, unless you feel like it's uh, almost a forget, like a, a basically a locked in thing that we're going to see Miles Gaskin off that team. No, I think it's it's all a price thing. Does Can anyone in the chat let me know? And I could pull up one of my drafts to figure this out, what his current ADP is. Because, you know, last year, I think there's a ton of risk for these running backs that are generally going to be going like rounds four through seven pre-draft. Because 
Uh, yeah, I remember when I would play like dynasty football, I would always call these like, you know, these are the landmines where a bomb can go off in the NFL draft and completely change their value from a fifth round pick to a 15th round pick with one premium rookie running back drafted. So Gaskin is definitely in landmine territory where his role if you're if you're just doing Miami Dolphins running back projections right now he's going to project very favorably but there's so many things with free agency trades in the draft that could greatly alter his value that I think you do have to be careful with him um I would just like off the top of my head I would say anything after like round 10 you know would be like you're taking kind of flyer committee territory I think that's palatable for me with the risk reward upside but anything richer than that I think you're probably taking on a lot of risk yeah, and I feel like it does come down, and I see Robert Bickerstaff in the chat saying Gaskin season. I think that's something where if, if the enthusiasm does start to drive his ADP up to an unreasonable level, then you have to be prepared to go a different way than Gaskin, and I think that would probably mean avoiding the backfield entirely or hoping that one of these rookie backs ends up in that situation instead. Uh, but I'm with you on that. I think like if you get a fair price tag for him, I would take stabs at Miles Gaskin now and hope that he somehow holds on to that job, but it got to be prepared for the fact that could be a sunk cost, so something that uh, definitely is going to have some volatility here in the offseason. Other coaching news, the Saints head coach uh, search reportedly down to five teams uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, Miami Dolphins former coach Brian Flores and the Detroit Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn a former player as well as uh, internal candidates that the Saints have Dennis Allen and Darren Rizzi who is I guess the special teams coordinator Byron Leftwich declined to be interviewed by the Saints which is odd given that it, he's now not up for these other jobs and I guess maybe he's the head coach in waiting in Tampa Bay now could be something that was negotiated there but the Saints head coaching search Pete I feel like to me I like Dennis Allen or, or this uh, Rizzy guy. I don't know enough about certainly speak on it all, but I feel like if they ended up with Flores or be enemy, I think pretty exciting. And Aaron Glenn too, another diversity coach who would be, uh, you know, certainly relevant enough to have played recently as, as a defensive back that he could add value. I think the external court, uh, you know, candidates for the saints actually could be pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Flores, I, I mean, I just want him to land, uh, somewhere, um, promising. And, you know, I guess you could argue about how promising the, uh, the saints situation is. I mean, they on paper, they don't look super fun, you know, quarterback up in the air, Michael Thomas up in the air, Alvin Kamara getting in Las Vegas, you know, hotel fights. I mean, so it, it doesn't look super attractive from that standpoint, but uh, Saints still a premium market. And uh, I think he's already proven that he can, you know, kind of shepherd, you know, some of these organizations through a rebuild or a retool. So I hope he lands on his feet and, and Biennemi would be cool too. I remember you and I were talking about him last year when we were talking about coaching positions. Yeah, apparently he had a nine-hour meeting with the Saints, so that didn't work out for Jim Harbaugh on the job with Minnesota, but maybe does work out for uh, this particular configuration here. But either way, it does seem like a decent chance of at least one more uh, minority hire getting in there for the NFL, which is probably a positive at this point. And for the Texans, another one that looks like it might be a minority hire, Josh McCown no longer up for the head coaching job, according to reports. Seems like they're pushing towards hiring Lovey Smith, which I know I saw some Bears fans' reactions on Twitter of them. Excited he's getting another job, a guy who's certainly bounced around a lot, but I guess could provide some stability. They're also apparently going to have Pep Hamilton as the offensive coordinator, former XFL head coach, who's also been rumored for sort of the Jacksonville offensive coordinator job. But Lovey Smith, Pete, I feel like that he fits the criteria of being a retread that you talked about. So I feel like maybe that does uh, sort of dim the the glare a little bit. But him getting a shot at Houston, providing some leadership, a guy who's already in the organization, and they got a good amount of you know out of that defense last year. Pep Hamilton too was the quarterbacks coach, so he probably did as much as possible at that QB position as well for the Texans. I feel like it might not be the worst thing, but kind of one that keeps them probably mired in mediocrity for the next few years. Yeah, like you said, it's it's one of those where it's it feels like a status quo hire. They have 
so many issues, I think on, on offense right now too. So, uh, you know, I, I think ideally you'd have more of a offensive focused, uh, coordinator, uh, stepping into, to that role as opposed to kind of Levy Smith's defensive background. But yeah, I don't know. I, I have such a hard time mustering, uh, takes, uh, about this kind of stuff. The Texans have so many issues beyond, beyond coaching. Um, it, it would be interesting to know, you know, it goes back to that thing too, of like, you know, Mike McDaniel, he's, he's hungry, right? Like this is his first head coaching job and sure that can blow up in their face because they don't have the experience and how to navigate this stuff. But, you know, some of these guys that have been around the block, I mean, what kind of enthusiasm and energy can you muster up for a franchise that's kind of down in the dumps? You know, like, I don't know. I, I do wonder kind of how that dynamic plays out with, you know, basically having to get guys up every Sunday to play um, in not the most ideal environment. So I don't know, maybe Lovey can do it. Yeah, I, I think that's sort of the hope there. Maybe they overachieve a little as Lovey has at times during his career. Um, apparently, Lovey's confirmed. Jay Peaks in the chat is in the chat saying, "I didn't see that one officially, but there's been definitely reports indicating that this is about as close as could be to getting done." And then Mathology, who by the way is becoming the official Instagram source, the Instagram source, and, and that's me. Um, giving Brian Flores his wife's handle at J A A Y D U N C. Uh, Pete, I don't know if you want to pull that up here, but uh, some some very glamorous photos and some. Very impressive thighs on Brian Flores, his lady here oh. that make me think he's probably going to be off for a year. Are you really going to make me? Uh, you're going to make me pull this up? I think Fine. it's not the worst idea, given that she's not private. And the last time this happened, it was a private person. Is this the that account? Pick, yeah, the top right pick there uh, with her in the sparkly dress. Here like, you go, she's Spags. Like WWE diva territory in that one. She's looking strong. Yes, uh, I'm going to leave the commentary to you. You keep scrolling through here. That one of the baby. Holy like, cow. Yeah, she the is. Strongest thighs in the world. She is ripped. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so okay. again, she, I, she could break both of us in half. I, I, I won't comment there as a, you know, she's a married woman, obviously, Pete, but I would say that uh, this is make you think you go through this profile or see this woman. I feel like Brian Flores could use a year off. Maybe just chase his lawsuit, hang out with her, get, you know, get, get in better shape, get a little leaner, get some protein gains. Um, sorry, the, I had pulled up the, uh, the Levy Smith, uh, news and an autoplay, uh, video started going on NFL.com. Um, yes, uh, I think we have, there's lots to learn from that Instagram page. And if you're not spending all your time sleuthing NFL, uh, coaches, uh, girlfriends and wives on Instagram, then you're getting outworked by the rest of the community. Mathology is saying dude deserves a job. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get a job one way or another. <laughs> this season, it'll be a high quality one uh, based on what we're seeing. And then GM shorty stuff, NFT saying Pete name, any defensive coach you would ever want. The limit does not exist. That is a good point. I do think you probably would never want a defensive coach to be hired. And I would agree with you for the most part. This is, seems like a trick question to see if I can name any other defensive coaches, which, uh, you got me <laughs> <laughs> also the chat. Now I don't want to keep reading. Ivan Black though saying, or protein losses. Yeah, I guess that <laughs> it's another way. It does go out that way too, Pete. Mm. <laughs> Take your big sip. Go ahead. You earned it. No, I'm just trying to get out of this segment. You brave another co coaching carousel segment, Pete. You deserve all the drinks you want. You can even chew on some cashews now and I wouldn't complain. I'm fresh out. I'm fresh out of nuts. <laughs> Let's do our early NFL DFS showdown build for the Super Bowl. And, and Pete, you have some good news for the people out there, of course, who have been playing along with you uh, with your DraftKings Deposit Kingdom tournaments all year. Yeah, a couple of good news on that front. Um, one, we do have a rake-free uh, $10 contest for the Deposit Kingdom that DraftKings hooked us up with. I will post that in the chat. I'll add it to the show notes uh, after the show 
as well. $10, I believe it is a 200-man contest. So uh, one final rake-free contest for the road. And also on that note, uh, Run the Sims is free uh, for the Super Bowl. So if you've heard us uh, talk about it or tune into the showdown crams and you want to poke around in there, Run the Sims. I'm actually like a little upset about it <laughs> that everyone's going to have free access to the Sims for the uh, the Super Bowl contest. But um, that's how marketing goes. And uh, if we have to give up a little bit of our edge to do so, I guess uh, that's how it goes. It seems like you didn't get consulted on this one, Pete. No, <laughs> no. I mean, now everyone can just go in, run the Sims, see all the uh, the magic behind the uh, behind the curtain, and uh, dupe me is basically what I'm worried about. So yeah. But lots of great tools over there. Of course, we did have Justin Freeman on the show a couple weeks ago. If you want to dig into some of his views on showdowns, again, I really would watch before you know. There's some downtime this week. Obviously, less news to dig into, less lineup prep that you're going to have to do. Uh, watch the segment that we had with Justin, where he talked about his strategy. Watch the segment with Cody uh, up top there. We had him on last Friday. He talked about the showdown strategy there, and try your best to impart that stuff because uh, there will not be quite as much of an edge for the Super Bowl as there was for the Pro Bowl for sure. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough too, and you know, depending on. It is, I mean, we, we talk about it all the time with DFS, but man, the Super Bowl is going to be the epitome of, you know, contest selection and knowing what your goals are. I mean, the, the $3 20 max, uh, one of my favorite tournaments, it's absolutely massive. The play action, almost 400,000 entries. I mean, even on the big Monday night football slates, they would normally not get any bigger than 150,000. So almost like two and a half times bigger than a normal contest. And I was having to play, some real, real thin plays in a 150,000 person contest. I mean, you're going to have to get really, really unique um, if you're playing that or just be smart and play, you know, smaller contests. You know, you're going to be able to find all different kind of size contests if you don't want to play, you know, third string tight ends uh, on the Super Bowl. I know for me, and I do have like an Excel sorting sheet that I use. And I don't, Pete, if you want to pull up the showdown lineup, we could build one here and maybe just build build our cash game one. I feel like might be a good move where we think will be the cashiest lineup out there. I think that's what Cody said about just trying to you know get your ownership projections from an ETR, from an Osmo, from a Roto Grinders. If you want to do even better, average them all. Find yourself the under 10% plays and just put them in the optimizer level. I think that's one where if you want to build some lineups, cover a little more earth and give yourself a shot for a solo takedown or at least a smaller chop. I think that's one way to do it without like digging in too deeply that Cody said on Friday. And I would just steal verbatim here to sound smart on this show. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think, um, I, I haven't, um, seen, I know in the run, the Sims yet, we don't have the ownership projections up. I think things will probably get a little bit more solidified throughout the week. I think one thing that'll actually be interesting and what will be your biggest edge is if we get inactives, um, say we don't know until Sunday about say an Uzoma or a Higby, um, that will be your friend and probably one of the bigger leverage spots because most people are at their Super Bowl parties. They're not going to be running back to adjust their 150 lineup exposures and stuff. Although I guess if you're putting in 150, you're going to be at your computer. But the point is, is if we do get late breaking news on the Super Bowl, it will probably be the biggest edge you have. I want to say in the past couple of years, we haven't had any big inactive news, but with these tight ends kind of being banged up, I, I could see it coming down to a game time decision. And um, I think that will be an edge I'll be looking to push if it if it arrives. And I will say, and I, you know, hopefully our friends over at Osmo don't mind, but some of the people they have currently projected, and they'll, I'm sure we'll have an update before this week here because they did this one, I, I think, right after the uh, conference title games. They have Sony Michelle at about 10% owned play, Samaj P. Ryan under 10%, Ben Skronek at 6%. 
uh, Drew Sample, Chris Evans, Mike Thomas, Trent Taylor, Kendall Blanton they have. I think they're assuming that Higby gets back in um, in this particular set of ownership projections. But yeah, I would consider making a fantasy cruncher group or whatever optimizer you're using and just try to get those guys in your lineups. And then hopefully that'll be enough to, to get you different. But uh, we'll talk more about that later in the week. And let's build this lineup, Pete. And, and I'll ask I'll ask you first, I guess, to give you the floor. Um, how would you start one if we are trying to build one that's got a, a high probability of cashing, but maybe not as high of a probability of, of being a solo one? Yeah, I do think if you're just trying to build the best, highest floor possible lineup, I do think you put Cooper Cup in captain, even at 17-4, just the combination of floor and ceiling is unmatched. He gets there in every possible game script. Um, I think you have a really hard time, and there's some value on this slate. I think you have a hard time getting away from from Cup at captain and, and optimal builds. Yeah, I would agree there. I think Cup of Captain going to be one where certainly putting him at the flex position, I think, will be a more plus EV move to try to do um, in the course of your lines. But he's the highest known captain for good reason. And it looks like Osmo's got him at about 15%. So actually, uh, relative to a simulation, might be a little bit under owned a captain if he's only 15% owned. Yeah, in the Sims right now, he's popping a 30% captain rate, which again is a massive number for a non rushing QB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you could still find ways to decrease the ownership again. Those ten percent guys, or a ten percent owned or less guys, are one way to do that. Um, for me, I'll just put in the easy correlation here. I think if Cup gets there, probably Matt Stafford does enough to get there too. Yeah, uh, Stafford at ten eight. Um, this is going to put us in territory here where we have to uh, save some money at uh, at fifty four hundred. But I think we are certainly up for the task. Um, I will. I think one, if we're getting down here, uh, sub. So we're kind of playing this as, you know, the Rams passing game playing well. Um, you could take this in a couple directions, but one guy that I do think is one of the best values on this slate is Samaj P. Ryan. Um, and obviously he's going to be better in a Bengals losing script where he comes on the field and catches a couple balls. We saw him score that touchdown um, in that game against Kansas City. You know, he's not getting any rushing work, but three for four, even even this line without the touchdown. You know, if you get eight or nine points from your twenty four hundred dollar play where you need salary relief, you're going to be in in decent shape. So I think P. Ryan's one of the best uh, value plays. Would you want one more pay down guy? Because I, so I don't know if this is a cash game one, but I do think Ben Skronek as the pay down guy who clearly bombed out last time, people are going to want to play even less. Maybe this is the week that he does get the one pass that goes his way. And that's enough to take away from Odell Beckham while not uh, taken away from Cup because he's our, our captain in this build. My only thing would be, I mean, I, I have no problem with uh, Ben in um, in tournaments. I would say if you're trying to build the highest floor play, I do think Rams defense at 3,400 would probably be the better uh, pay down play, especially in the story that this lineup is is telling as well. Okay, I'll defer to you there. I think if we're trying to build a pure cash one, I do think Skronek is going to be, again, not that highly owned, which is inherently not a cash lineup if you're putting in guys that are under 10%. Yeah. So then once we're up in this range, um, you know, I'm trying to see here, I think T Higgins looks like one of the best kind of value plays at 7,600. I think in a a losing game script here, he makes sense. That leaves us with 8,400 too, which, um, I think is nice because you can pick between Odell acres. We could even like, if we did acres instead of Rams D, what does that leave us with 5,400? Then you could do like Tyler Boyd, 
I mean, something like this is probably like pretty close to an optimal cash game lineup, I would guess. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair. And I uh, didn't mind the Odell route either, I think, if, yeah. especially if you're not playing Ben. Uh, certainly a way for Odell to get there, and he's been targeted really highly down the stretch. So uh, it's honestly, this is the issue that was like, it's really easy to build lineups that you don't feel that bad about. Right. And in lineups like this that we just built, even these two variations, so the 2v2, we would be what, um, what did we say? It was Akers and uh, Boyd off of Odell and Rams D. I mean, in these big contests, the, a lineup like this will be duped literally a thousand times um, in, in the big contest. So that that's the thing to remember uh, if you're playing the big ones. So let's let's stick with Cooper Cup, the captain. And then I, normally, you know, we know, we usually do our one lineup here and then we're done. Well, let's try to figure out what's the lowest owned Cooper Cup lineup we have that we still would feel good about. The lowest owned? Yeah, because I, I feel like then we're talking Skronek. Right. Yeah, I mean, so... I should pull up some early uh, ownership projections. Did you say Osimo had those up? Yeah, they had them up from looks like eight days ago. Okay. Or six uh, ago. Yeah, let me pull those up just to just to see where we might actually be able to get unique. Okay. Yeah, I got these pulled up here. So, um, you know, the most popular, uh, you know, as far as in the flex spot. Uh, would be Burrow, Stafford, Akers, Chase, Higgins. So I think down, I think Van Jefferson is probably a guy who might get a little lost uh, in the shuffle. Odell is actually probably going to be pretty low owned just because he's so expensive at 8,400. Yeah. And I think Odell's a pretty reasonable play. So I, would you, hmm. I mean, I like, I just, I do like the idea of going Skronek, but I think let's go Odell here let for now, I think at 8,400 and let's see where that gets us. Actually, I could do the, I mean, and if we do Cooper and Odell, we pretty much have to play Stafford. Yeah. Let me actually, I'm going to do the ownership product while we do this, just so I can see how we're going. So times plus two, six. Actually, no, I think, you. I uh, think one pivot to make like, if you if you are running a lineup like this, would be to play a Sony Michelle instead of Cam Akers. One thing I was looking at, and um, I know when I was writing up the newsletter, Sharp Football um, took the uh, anytime prop on uh, Sony Michelle scoring a touchdown, and looking at how they use Akers and Michelle near the goal line is it's actually closer to a split in the goal line carries where Cam Akers, at least so far, doesn't have a definitive uh, grip on that goal line role. So I do think Sony Michelle, and then you couple that with Akers not being 100% right now, wasn't practicing last week. So I think Sony Michelle is is kind of interesting right now. Okay, I like where you're going with that. So let's do that. And that also definitely drops the ownership product down because he's only at about 10% uh, at utility, it looks like. So let's see, times 0.10. So that's actually, oh, I fucked it up. Anyway, that's already, I think, a low enough own lineup. And I think if we're going to leverage off of what we talked about with Cody here, we've now probably pulled enough levers where we could just build a, like the best lineup possible from here. Yeah, I mean, for it again, it depends on what size contest we're talking about, you know? Um, yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, this is probably still not for the $15 with the million up top. I think one interesting thing with the Bengals is just um their tight end right like if uzoma goes i think people you might get a little bit of an injury discount just people kind of worried about his health and if he doesn't go i think drew sample 
is is pretty interesting as well. And just having that uncertainty about both of them uh, should probably give us a little bit less ownership than if it was solidified heading into the week. Let's let's go through Zoma here then. Let's say that he somehow gets in. And it looks yeah, like it, right now Osmo's got him at a bit over 20%, which, yeah, I think is probably accounting for some injury discount. Yeah, says he says he's day to day right now, but plans to play. So I think we are getting you know a little bit of a discount right now. I mean, a forty four hundred player who you know is fairly big part of their offense um, at seventeen percent ownership seems like a, a nice play. We still have to play Stafford here, though, right? For the yeah, most part? yeah. Okay. So, then... I mean, then you're a kicker, I think. Yeah, McPherson. I have no issue playing McPherson. He's under twenty percent projected ownership. It looks like. Yeah, that um that makes sense. I mean, they they do kick so many field goals here too. I guess um the thing too, it's always tempting you're trying to figure out like okay, what are the game scripts where, you know, the Rams offense is scoring a ton, Sony Michelle's getting touchdowns and then the Bengals are still, you know, kicking field goals. But I do think in these bigger contests you have to almost throw out typical correlations and game strip, you know, logic and just try to get on unique combos. So I, I, I honestly don't hate a lineup like this, but even using all the salary, and I know I keep referencing that big play action contest, but a lineup like this, I bet, would, would be duped 20 times in that big 400,000-person 400 400, contest. Yeah, I've heard of some showdown players who don't ever play a 50K salary lineup, and I know that, you know, again, we talked to really sharp guys the last two weeks who said just worry more about the ownership product. But that's one way, too, where you could just immediately, you know, decrease the chances of being in a, a highly duped lineup, and then you're probably just at more regularly duped lineups, which will still be plentiful. Yeah, I mean, my, my biggest takeaway of, for these edges is... Um, what it, whatever is going on with these injury, you know, situations, um, with these tight ends specifically, like if, if we get a surprise scratch or late in the week, because my guess too, is a lot of people will start doing their showdown content, maybe a little earlier, um, this week. And if there's anything, um, where we don't have the time for that to solidify that that's an edge you want to push. Yeah, so definitely check the Higby and Uzoma news. We'll talk about you know the most recent news that we have on Friday's show. But I think we built a couple decent lineups here, showed the thought process. So now let's go. And my idea here was that we should go to FanDuel Sportsbook first because that's one that's going to be available in most legal states. But we're also open to taking a request. I was looking at the Caesars Sportsbook, which is not available in PA, uh, so I can't bet there. And I'm willing to take another one here. So if you have a YouTube chat request and you want us to shop for lines of the sportsbook you have access to, uh, feel free. No legal ones, though, Pete, because we are, we're strictly legal sportsbook boys. Uh, yes, definitely. We we should look at the uh, the underdog pickums too. Oh yeah, I'm up for that. All right, let's do this one. So we got game props. Let's go to game props first, and let's see if there's any interesting game props. And as we talked about, when we did the DK Sportsbook, looking around for bets. A lot of these are going to be minus EV bets, kind of inherently, just because of what it's going to be. So sometimes it is if you could find comparison points, if you could find um, bets that are just a slightly more appealing spin than some other ones that are you know going to be minus money. I think that's going to be the main things we're looking for here. But Pete, you're on the screen of game props. Do any of these strike you as one that you might want to look further at? I mean. Some of these are are just fun. Like both teams to score a touchdown on their opening drive at plus eleven twenty. Like when we were looking at some of those, what was it, MVP odds? Uh, and some of them were so outrageous. Like I'd rather get plus eleven twenty on on touchdowns on the first two drives. Like that is it doesn't seem that outlandish in the in the realm of uh, possibilities to get on over ten to one on it. Um, let's see here. 
longest touchdown scored. Some of these are just like not that fun. Uh, unless you want to like dig into historical trends, shortest touchdowns scored. Like, yeah. I mean, there's one I'm intrigued by. If you go down last play of the game, a QB Neil, I think I wouldn't mind taking the no on this. Uh, so the no is going to be plus 166 on a uh, last play of the game being a QB Neil. Uh, there you go. And then uh, the yes on this one is minus 205. There's enough pathways where it's a game-winning field goal where it is a, a walk-off touchdown. I think that's probably less likely. But at least they're like this is the kind of bet to me where I could see taking the plus money bet just because it's like there's enough outcomes here where it could be that way. And the yes, like it's still a binary one as well. So like yes only has one option, whereas no has like probably three or four different ways that could work out. Yeah, that is an interesting one. It's I my brain. D- does exactly what yours did but then on the other hand i'm just like they obviously have the historical data of what percentage of the time these end and they set an efficient line so whatever you know anecdotal edge we think we have in our head does not exist you know i could tell you that i i got caught with that same trap yesterday where i put a uh, four bets down on the pro bowl just because i was like fuck it i feel good about the pro bowl so i guess overall i did not end up plus <laughs> plus money if we were counting these but i put them all on like the tight ends being the first touchdown score because those were the only like fun props there were and it was not a tight end first touchdown score so it ended up being completely useless uh yeah i mean that's it's always like what do you know that that i don't know with these bets here uh let's i think the player player props are are funner than the uh the game props here and they can't do the gatorade ones in a legal sports book i believe yeah unanswered scoring props either team to score two unanswered times excluding pat that see, that's one of those where like that it would be so hard to have the true probability of that unless you have the same bet at other books and you could sort of figure out what the market has at it. Like that feels like it shouldn't be plus twenty five hundred, right? Because there, but that would include like back to back field goals that that still it's not touchdowns either. Yeah, which makes mm-hmm. it easier. Either score either team to score four unanswered times. So why would it be? Uh, okay, this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, shouldn't shouldn't the odds be moving in the other direction? Oh, uh, because that way it's only yeah, it's only one team. For the other bet, it's only one team, and because for this one, it's either team can have. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's uh, I, I'd rather take the the no than on the other one. Wait, yeah. You no, know, being plus twenty five hundred does seem a little crazy. I guess you're, you're then. That's like a gigantic parlay, though. Now to think about it for the no, it's basically every drive is a part of a parlay. I hate these. <laughs> they are, it's it is really that's how they get you. And this is you know we'll talk about it on the show a lot. Like take these bets for fun. Take them because you you you're up on the year and you want to have two K you know, riding on the Super Bowl on various bets. But I think if you're expecting these to be like plus money or you know in anywhere plus EV as a decision, like it's none of them are going to be. No. Um. Let's see uh what kind of what kind of rushing props do we have here? Or are, are these these still aren't player? Let's go to player props. Um so not much has changed obviously in the MVP markets. Um I still think Jamar Chase um looks undervalued there kind of just relative to Cooper Cup. Like obviously Cooper Cup has a better chance of winning MVP than Jamar Chase, but should it be 5 times? as much mm-hmm. of a better chance that that seems um that seems a little off to me there 
Well, remember in the beginning of the week, Stafford was minus money as MVP on DK Sportsbook. Like, I think that shows what we talked about here. We're A, getting on the lines early. But B, like, that should have never been a minus money bet. And like in a million years, an MVP shouldn't be a minus money bet. No, because, I mean, you would just want to bet, you know, the Rams. There's just other ways to bet that without having to hit the two-leg parlay, right? The With the Rams winning and Stafford. Being it, there, it just seems like unnecessary risk to take on for that bet. I also feel good too that we were like, take Cooper Cup. He was plus 660 when we looked at that last week. Now he's plus 550. So, like, clearly smart money's coming on Cooper Cup. A little surprised by Joe Mixon being there, but I guess that's, uh, you know, that's a game script where he could actually no, he's plus 4,000. Mm. How about uh, 2023 Super Bowl odds? You just zoom right past uh, <laughs> the Super Bowl and tie up your money for a full year. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like, no, I know we have to dig into these at some point. Uh, that Niners one stands out again. I, I, we are not the only people in the world who have been roped into this Niners ecosystem. I'll tell you what. No, it is interesting seeing how some of the rumors are impacting these. Like this Denver Broncos at plus twenty two hundred is like completely dependent on like them getting Rodgers, right? Like, there's no other reason the Broncos should have better odds than the Chargers. No, no, definitely not. They don't have their QB. They, I mean, it really just assumes that the skill position guys are good enough and they can have somebody in and plug them next to Javante and, and the wide receivers. And then it's going to be like a team that makes a gigantic leap. To me, this seems so out of whack. And like, I would, I don't, I don't want to root for the Patriots, but like Mac Jones taking a big leap in his second year and they still have a, you know, a nice team built around him at plus 2,800. Like how the Broncos should not be no. that much more favored than the, than the Patriots. Uh, scroll down a little bit more. I'm curious, like some of the younger teams, because I think the one thing that jumped out, we talked about it when we were reviewing the game tape of my cheddar appearance on Friday, like young teams where guys could sort of be rising at the same time, I think are just going to be a little bit undervalued inherently just because you can't account for those year one to two year, two to three jumps. I don't know who fits that criteria down here. I feel like maybe the dolphins do a little bit with what we talked about. New coach coming in some young skill position guys who could go off. The Jags at plus 12,000. I know like nobody wants to bet on the Jags, but that's why they're plus 12,000. Not the worst bet given Trevor Lawrence's pedigree. Yeah. I mean, that one, that one seems pretty thin. That would be, have to be quite the turnaround. Uh, but yet yeah, I'm probably the same guy that would have been looking at the Bengals uh, future odds this time last year and being like, you know, they still need to have one year of kind of being battle tested you know, uh, cutting their teeth in the playoffs before they could be a legit Super Bowl contender. And now uh, here they are. Even their odds, like plus 1,900 after showing um, that they can make it here. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've been impressed with them to the point where that seems a little light. Yeah, I think, look, I think there are decent bets you could talk yourself into here. Um, at this point of the year, I might be more inclined to take the more plus money ones and ones like that. Like we talked about with the Broncos, probably not as good. Oh, they do have draft props, too. Uh, that's interesting. Just uh, just a number one overall pick for now. Oh, yeah, okay. That's That's got to be Hutchinson. Hutchinson being plus money, I think, would make that the bet you take that we're not yeah. we're not in nfl draft season yet but i think that shouldn't be a plus money bet at this point i actually am i feel like the props that they have up for player props is pretty weak right now yeah what yeah i mean look this I, there's they beat the life out of every single prop like i feel like maybe a special teams one where you can root for like what's under special teams are there any really weird outcomes for that opening kickoff oh. return for a touchdown i would hate that opening kickoff to be a touchback like <laughs> How about like a fumble recovery on the like on a kickoff? Is that one? Uh, 
No, that would be, I mean, here you go. This is where you get your rocks off. <laughs> Johnny Hecker, total punts. Hmm. What, what, what's the line on that? How, how do you, how do you like to sweat Super Bowl props? Do you like being concentrated in a certain amount that you can then like really sweat? Or do you just want this large portfolio? There's way too much going on. You don't even know what you're rooting for. And you just check your account balance at the end of the game. I think, like, honestly, I've always enjoyed the squares one because it's sort of a binary thing that you can track really easily. So I guess I would air more on that side. I'll probably do, like, a same-game parlay, I think, will be if I do that. Um, I know I'm not seeing on my my plus EV bet tracker, not a single bet has a higher win rate uh, times your profit minus the loss rate times your your initial stake. Um, that's what I use to calculate any bet. I don't see a single one as being plus EV. So in that perspective, it's just like you're taking entertainment ones. And if you're taking entertainment ones, play it like a DFS lineup. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I, I've gone either, gone uh, both ways. I'll, I'll probably end up just spraying so many and then just hoping. That's what I did for AFC and NFC Championship weekend. I think I had like 12 or 13 bets down and then uh, didn't even remember what I had and then just checked the account balance after. Uh, I thought we could look at the underdog ones because they do, uh, first of all, incredible file upload change on Joe Burrow's photo here, but they do have a, a special line um, they had run those earlier, and I thought you wouldn't get to use them anymore once you had used one of them, but uh, this one's now showing available for me. So uh, pretty nice here to be able to get the over on Joe Burrow uh, one passing yard, and then you can add it with any other bet for for a pick em here. Yeah, I mean, that's an easy one there, so make sure to use that promo code SPLASH if you deposit over at Underdog. I'm trying to see, I mean, you know, and this is it a philosophy for Underdog, really any site out there. Like I would try to find these same props and then compare where the lines are and see if there's any inefficiencies. So um, let me, let's go up. Pete, can you in go the way, the top of this? Yeah. And the way these work, like um, you do, if you have more, if you just have two, the other, we do have to include a Ram uh, prop along with our burrow, but then you could add a third uh, Bengals prop. If you wanted to like further correlate Joe Burrow with something, obviously you don't have to correlate him because it's one passing yard, but um, we do have to include a Ram in this. So the under 24 and a half for Stafford is is minus money. It looks like the over is plus 100 at DK Sportsbook, MGM and Betway. I would take the under on the Stafford completions. I think based on this, it's minus 130 at BetMGM, Betway and DK Sportsbook. Can you tell me what Sony Michelle's rushing yard prop is? Let's see, rushing player longest rush. Rushing plus receiving. Here you go. Sony Michelle's rushing yards. It looks like uh, there's a lot of Cam Akers ones. Well, let me just control that. You can tell me Cam Akers too. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wait. Hold on. There's there's honestly like too many bets. His line is at plus twenty or is at uh twenty yards. So the over is at minus one hundred five. The under is at minus one fifteen. So a little bit going towards the under. Uh, but yeah, that made me. I mean, it pushes you towards oh, yeah, the yeah, over on the over then. Yeah. And kind of my thesis right now, while it's still kind of quiet on the Western front about Cam Akers, uh, I kind of like the Sony Michelle over like Cam Akers at 64 and a half versus Sony Michelle at 18 and a half. I feel like Cam Akers should be lower and Sony Michelle should be a little higher. Actually, let's see the longest rush then if they have that player longest rush because I would then consider parlaying that. Oh, they don't have a Sony Michelle longest rush prop. It looks like on some of the, the core books here. Oh, yeah. And they actually only let you do one Sony Michelle uh, uh, okay. prop. Per, so they don't let you stack those parlays. 
Let's go to let's look at the other running backs then, since we had that. Uh, let me just go back real fast. Oh, no, I went back. Mixon's at sixty-three and a half rush yards on underdog, twenty and a half, twenty-eight and a half receiving yards. His longest run, thirteen and a half yards. You can also just do an basically any time touchdown for Joe Mixon because they have the line set at a half TD for rush and receiving. I'm pulling up the player rushing yards. Sorry, the site's running a little slow for some reason. Uh, Mixon they have at looks like uh, over sixty four and a half is minus one hundred five. Under sixty four and a half is minus one fifteen. Yeah, so not a ton of that. That line mm. looks uh, pretty efficient there. P Ryan, let's see. Does a P Ryan have a prop? Uh, yeah, they have. They have P Ryan at five and a half rushing yards. Yeah, that's what underdog has too. Um, Though the under is minus 142. The over is plus 116. So that might not be a bad under. It's crazy though. Like going, you know, looking back at, you know, how we were looking at T Higgins being a value based on his DraftKings salary. Like you see here, the receiving yard prop is only separated by, you know, nine yards between these two right here. And yet pretty big discrepancy between their salary differences. Like I would have a hard time pulling the trigger on this number at T Higgins at 70. Um, whereas like, I'd rather get my T Higgins exposure in DFS where his price tag is, is much cheaper. Yeah. It looks like chase on the books are at minus one ten uh, on some of these for the over 70. Actually it's minus one ten for both sides for over 79 and a half and under 79 and a half for chase for Higgins. It looks like, um, huh. So you get Higgins. Oh, there's like some weird bets here. Um, 39 and a half is the line over 39 and a half in some books. That's I can't for remember. what? No, I think it's, oh, these are like Higgins Longest? Is a lot of alternate lines, I guess is what I'm oh, saying. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. 69 and a half seems like the, the true line for Higgins there, which is what they're at anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, that's uh, the thing with like NFL props. Like you're re- you're really hard pressed to find much of an edge, even on a site like Underdog, where you know it's not a it's not a book, it's not quite as you know of a live much of a living thing where markets are correcting as you go. Like they still true those up pretty fast. Yeah, and I you know similar to what we talked about, I think last time we were shopping. I think my strategy with even these Underdog lines, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait um, until we get closer to the Super Bowl because I do think a lot of these overs will get hit and these numbers will creep up a little bit more. Maybe not on a guy like Sony Michelle. It's not like the public is rushing to jam overs on a backup running back, but certainly like the Cooper Cup ones. Like, you know, his receiving yard prop right now on underdog 107 and a half. I, I would not be shocked to see that end up at like 115 by the time kickoff rolls around. So if, if you're looking to bet unders on stars, uh, wait as long as possible because those will tick up a bit. Yeah. And I'll check some more lines before we do our, our final show on Friday before the Super Bowl um, and see if there's any inefficiencies that seem more pronounced. But right now it seems like there aren't a bunch out there. And as Pete mentioned, you know, definitely the unders will come down a little bit more as we get uh, closer to game time. So probably ones to keep an eye on anyway. But Pete, what are your plugs here? What are the shows that you're doing before you do heads LA? 
Um, just the usual uh, club top shot tomorrow. Uh, lulls. Oh, we are gonna have a swole cast on Wednesday. We'll have a oh. we'll have a Super Bowl swole cast, and uh, and then yeah, and then our special uh, Thursday uh, AM edition show. So yeah, normal normal week here. Maybe I'll try to schedule a showdown cram even before um the Super Bowl. I'm not sure. Maybe I'll do a cram live from the underdog house. I haven't thought that through yet. There we go. So I'm giving the people free content from you just by planting the seeds. That's that's <laughs> right. You're strong arming me into doing shows on on my Shaving work you really. vacation. Yes. <laughs> uh, but we appreciate you guys hanging with us. Make sure to follow at Peter Arbors at follow at Chris Spags. Follow at Splash Play Pod on both Twitter and Instagram because we're doing a little bit of both now. We'll be back Thursday morning, 930 Eastern, doing a best ball breakfast, an early draft here for 2022. So we'll start to get some more teams, some more players in the mix, some more advantages for all of you guys out there. Any final Actually, you know what? I should give the plug. Go plug Football Outsiders or go go check it out. Now, you don't have to plug it. Or if you want to go plug it, please do that too. But footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. That 99 cents a week package is going away on the 13th so get in there while you can i i swear by it i know we're doing a lot more to make it even more valuable so get in before there are any off-season price changes and things like that 99 cents a week at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and if you play on underdog take some of these prop lines we just talked about use that promo code splash for up to a 100 deposit match over at our friends on underdog any final words for you pete before we call it quits no um stay safe out there and uh you know if you find any good uh, coaches, uh, Instagrams, you know, be sure to let us know. Yeah, please. And be careful when you're chewing cashews before live streams. We'll see you guys again soon.